Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Yo, my family, wagwan! It's episode number 44 of Talk Truth! And today I have a very special guest. She is the CEO and founder of 876 Volunteer, Jamaica's first volunteer promoter. And she describes it as a blend between Airbnb and Tinder. Sounds pretty interesting. She goes by the name of Simone Brown. And we've been trying to have this recording for a long time. And finally, we were able to do it. And what better season to do it than in the season of giving. But before we launch into the podcast, I wanted to just touch base because we'll have a couple of reviews. Long time when I read some review. I know we don't do this long time. We don't do um, truth bombs. But this is right. we're going to come back to that. The first review I'd like to read comes from Jamaican Girl underscore in underscore Colorado, and it was given via Apple Podcasts. She's from the United States, and she gave us a five-star review titled Candid Soulful Discussions on Life and said, One of the things I love about Talk Truth is that Mario has deep discussions and insights that rarely happen in people, even with the closest friends in Jamaica. She's actually said that rarely happen in person, even with the closest of friends in Jamaica. I love listening to everyone's stories and understanding different perspectives. Also love stories from Jamaican women. Always. Dot, dot, dot. Yo, Jamaican underscore. Jamaican girl in Colorado. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Spread the word. It means so much that you're here, right? Big up. We also have a second review which comes from Holy Childhood 86 via Apple Podcasts and this review was titled Burnout, Break and Realignment. We got five stars and we appreciate them. The review says, glad you are back. I just discovered your podcast and have listened to most of them after seeing you featured in the Jamaica Observer last week. I am in North Carolina, US and read the Observer online. You're doing a great work. Just pace your smiley face. <laughs> Thank you so much, Holy Childhood 86. We appreciate the reviews. Remember, we, the big team, pretty much I appreciate the reviews. Thank you for taking the time to listen. It means so much to us. Keep spreading the word. Keep staying present and shoot us an email one day. We appreciate you taking this time out. Let me know what topic you want, you want me to touch, right? Blessed love. Hey family, welcome to episode number, I don't even know what it is, of Talk Truth. And with me, I have an amazing guest who goes by the name of Simone Brown. And Simone is wonderful because she is the CEO and founder of 876 Volunteer, which is Jamaica's first volunteer promoter. Um, Simone, welcome to Talk Truth. Give thanks. Give thanks. It's been a long time coming, eh? Like this it's been a long time coming, Sim. We've been we've been trying to do this. Here we are in the pandemic making it happen. I know, right? Simone, you know I like to start at the top and and um especially since this is an episode around giving, I just wanted to know a bit about your childhood and where you grew up and just tell me a little bit about Simone. Baby Simone. Me, baby Simone, oh bless you, baby Simone. 
what can I tell you about Baby Simone? Baby Simone grew up in Kingston mm-hmm. um, with uh, parents who just wanted her to have a better life than they had. Both of my parents were from country. My mom's from St. Elizabeth, my dad's from St. Thomas. And they had nice. me older in life, you know. So by the time they had me, it was like, let's give this child, you know, the best care and the best education. And so I did have access to that. I had a very blessed childhood. So I went yeah. to, you know, good high school, had after class, um, extra lesson, and, you know what I mean? All, yeah. the, all the trappings that come with a nice middle class childhood in Kingston. Right. Which would and, lead you to, um, to university and East Dixie? Exactly, exactly. And even through all of that, um, had a really deep-rooted relationship with my church. So right. um, uh, we were a part of the congregation of St. Andrew Parish Church, and we did everything. Like I was in choir, altar girl, youth fellowship, Sunday school, you name it. So and that St. Andrew was Parish my, is, is Anglican, right? It's Anglican. And that was my first foray really into giving back on what charity looked like. My mom was a part of the women's auxiliary. So I mean, bake sale and working with local children's homes and all the rest of it. Just always a very helpful youth. That's really who I was when I was younger. And then I became a young adult and went away to university and that just went all out the window. You just become so self-obsessed <laughs> when you're 21. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think a little bit of self-obsession is, is okay at some point in life because you do have to kind of become strong at something, right? Yeah, and get to Which know yourself. require some obsession, eh? Yeah, and some figuring out, trying to figure out yourself. Um, and being a Jamaican away from home because I went to university in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an adjustment major. Um just being entirely homesick the whole entire time. <laughs> as soon as I graduated, I jumped on a plane and came back home. I came back. Well, yeah, you know, I did the school abroad for a little too in Boston, so I know what that feels like. Um, I'm going to come back to that too. But I wanted to touch a little bit more on on family. Would you definitely say that your spirit of giving definitely came from parents and church? You would say both? Um... Would you lean it to any one side or the other? I've never, the... I've never really thought of it that way in a marriage, but now that you asked me, if I am to be honest, it comes entirely from my parents on that church, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. In the way that 876 Volunteer operates, because it was really something that came to me in a dream, exactly in the way that it operates. Now I woke up one night, started writing, and I just didn't stop writing. And mm-hmm. now what you see now as 876 volunteer is what I wrote on that scrap of paper at 2 o'clock in the morning. And mm-hmm. it operates in a very unusual way. There's really no precedence for it. None of the nonprofit organizations in Jamaica operate this way. It's very organic. It operates without bureaucracy. It operates without a middleman. It operates without religion. It operates without politics. That's mm-hmm. how my parents gave back. So outside of the structure of church, my mom's hospitality to anybody in need was extremely organic and natural. Same thing with my dad. My dad would uh, be on the way home with groceries for the house and come home with you no know, groceries because somewhere along the way, someone he ended up giving them away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was just it was so natural and it wasn't even talked about or celebrated. Or my mom would be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. All right, cool, cool, cool." And then we would just yeah, Church really was just another outlet then for giving. It really, it really was. It was the the way that um, I have leaned towards and have really blossomed in me, the way that giving back can feel extremely 
extremely natural. It doesn't have to feel unnatural. It doesn't have to pull you out of alignment with who you are or where you're supposed to be. Wherever you are in your life right now, there is a capacity in that space to make someone else's life better. That's the nature of things. To not do it is unnatural. That I learned from my parents. To not give is unnatural. I really like that. And that's going to tie in what you just said really ties into what we decided the topic was today, which is giving back <laughs> yeah. more cash required, right? Yeah. Because in essence, there's always something you can give at all times. Yeah, yeah. It's nature's way, I think. So, college abroad in Toronto, and then you're a yard person. So I always try to differentiate the people who can stay abroad and the people who can't. And I knew I was one that really? could not. And you, you sound like you're somebody who could not. Hmm? You think there are two buckets of people, like very clear on that, black and white. It may not be black and white, but I know those people who will go abroad and do further studies and never come back. You know, you have that type of person who is okay with living yeah. somewhere else. And you have that type yeah. of person who cannot stay out of Jamaica for, for too long. <laughs> and I fall into the latter category. Well, and I it, say, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it seems you came back, but I want you to, to, to clarify to me whether you're in a bucket or it's just that you're giving back. I saw the bucket myself too. That that same spectrum that you talked about, you know, mm -hmm. one yardie versus another yardie. That's, I, I spent a lot of time looking at those two buckets in between, in between, and getting dizzy <laughs> because there were times where I would feel like one and there were times where I would feel like the other. I have to be right. honest. My first so you could have very well stayed in Toronto then, possibly. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm going to give you the easy math and then I'll answer your actual question. But the easy math is, is I've spent one-third of my life in Toronto, mm -hmm. Canada, and two-thirds in Jamaica up until this point. Almost, almost that to date. And I've right. told you, I go from living in Jamaica for four years and then moving back to Toronto for 14 and then moving back to Jamaica for one, and then being in Jamaica for another, but I fluctuate. And I think to everything a season. Interesting. To everything a season. So there was a reason I was supposed to be at the University of Toronto, and that's primarily because in my very first year of university, although I was homesick, I still realized it was the very first time that I thought of myself as a beautiful black person. I'd never wow. had that experience in Kingston, Jamaica, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Colorism was an extremely traumatic experience for me when I was in Jamaica, especially in like the high school that I went to. Yeah, um, I like that. You're not so calling any of it. I like that. Nope, nope. <laughs> but yeah, you can, yeah, can leave that alone. But yeah, you yeah, you want me feel beautiful as a black woman in that space. The first time I felt that way was at the University of Toronto Scarborough campus. I was just beautiful. Period. Period. They were completely enamored with this Jamaican girl. Like, there was nothing I could say that was wrong. There was nothing that I could do that was wrong. Everyone thought that I was just the cat's pajamas, and I had never had that experience. And it wasn't that it was fetish or worship, because I would have a <laughs> classmate from the Philippines, and they would get the same treatment. I'd have a, a classmate who lived in Scarborough all their life, and people would rate them the same. What it was was recognizing the gifts that I brought to the table and rating right. regardless. I didn't have to prove myself. I started right. off with an accreditation of you made it here, props to you. We don't need no other explanation. In Kingston at the time, my experience of Jamaica was every single solitary day I had to prove myself that I was wow. in and that I deserved to be in a certain space. 
And right. I, I know what that looks like as well, even though that's hard to believe. But I, I do understand what it looks like as well. So yeah. I know what you mean. I think all Jamaicans have this feeling and it, it might just be something in the air. It might just be something that just lingers in the air from colonization days. But it's just something where we just always feel like we have to prove our, our worth. And it's it, it, all the time we spend on, on, on chopping blocks and selling blocks on that same land. It's really hard. It's like we're always on the on the selling blocks, selling ourselves in some way, shape or form, it feels like. I think you're right. I mean, I always wanted to do a podcast on, on who is the, the better Jamaican because I always feel like that's a thing that we do in Jamaica a lot, you know? We it, always it, have to it, be separating each other instead of, and when we have them out of many one people, motto, yeah. you know, it's always uptown, downtown, rich, poor, brown, black. Country, <laughs> not country. Yeah, always. You know, even in like this landscape of where you went to high school, the minute somebody yeah, tells man. you that it's high school, there's a, there's a calculation that happens in a person's brain. You can almost right. see it in their eyes that they assume now that you had a certain experience. And so now you have to either live up or live down to that. So it's, it's wild. When I, went away, I got an actual fresh slate and the permission to be whatever I wanted to be. And from that very first experience from my first year of university, I never let go of that feeling, ever. So I'm, I'm really glad that you got that. that validation. I did, I did, and it was it was something that I started to regenerate in myself. So although it was a gift to me from external sources, I didn't continue to look for it from other people here in Toronto. I realized, yeah, I am the cat's pajamas just by being me, and so that that just regenerated in and of itself, which was really important because as soon as I graduated from University of Toronto, I moved back to Jamaica because I wanted to experience Jamaica as an adult. Mm-hmm. So I left and I went back to Jamaica and I was living for in Jamaica for about three years and I was working at um, all-inclusive hotel. Again, I won't say the name. <laughs> and that was that was an experience in and of itself for me. Um, I've never driven. Uh, I studied polyscience, so, so political science and sociology. Um, and there was no reasoning behind it other than I could just study last minute and write a paper and get a pass. It just, yeah. it was easy. And then you ended up at a hotel as your first job. And I ended up at a hotel as my first Because as many people know, it's like hospitality, them always look somebody. So mm-hmm. um, I came back and couldn't find work for a bit and then decided to apply within hospitality and got that job. And I was in it for about uh, three years. And I've never driven. I don't have mm-hmm. a driver's license, fun fact. Oh, no? Oh, no, and I have no intention of getting one. Um, <laughs> So I've, I've lived in Jamaica with, with no, so I, I took public transportation. So I would, for example, I was dating someone in um, Ocherius and I had a job in Montego Bay and I had to get up at the crack of dawn sometimes to get to work. No, downtown Ochi, downtown Ochi at 4 a.m. in the morning loading, just sitting you in the... Bus in the bus, sitting in the minibus at the back, waiting for everyone to get in and to get into Mobile with all the 10 million stops along the way and then getting out at, you know, Iron Shore and then taking out a robot taxi and then walking into my house. And I did that for years and I still do that. I still take public transportation around Jamaica. The reason I mentioned that is that was my, that's my real perspective of the island. Right, no, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because so a lot of people would ask you why. And not why because anything is wrong with public transport, but why if you have the chance to get a license and drive, which may be more comfortable, why do you still take public transport apart from the perspective I, of the island? I don't 
I it this it's so natural to me, Mario. I can't even lie. I've been doing it from I was nineteen and a playmaker at Sandals Negril. And I and again I had a boyfriend in Runaway Bay and at the time the highway wasn't done. I kid you not, it was six transfers of bus and taxi I had to take between Negril and Runaway Bay at the time. It took me seven hours. I've been doing that since I was nineteen. So to me it was nothing. Like to go from Kingston to Saint Elizabeth where my grandmother is, that was another four hour trip and three or four different buses. It's nothing to me. To me that's my part of my Jamaican experience. I wouldn't give up that for anything. I love yeah, it. And it keeps real because right. I know what you were say. I was gonna say it keeps your finger on the pulse of the culture. It's not it's not uptown Kingston would be all I knew if I wasn't careful. That's what I was gonna say. It's kinda like how a lot of people go from like the word people go to prep school or primary school, they go to high school, they go to university. I guess just like with a driver's license, you're almost expected to get a license, get a car, drive. But and when you're in a car, you're, you're driving past life, Mario. You're literally driving. When I sit down in a bus park, like I have had certain really scary experiences on public transportation, but it, it has opened my eyes up to actual barriers in healthcare, right. barriers in right. healthcare. Right in class so that like I didn't realize it then but these were all pieces of the puzzle that now help me when I'm running an island-wide non-profit promotion for agencies when someone tells me this is what we're actually living with in the community it doesn't bend my brain to try and understand that because at yeah, some point in time I've, more sense. I've seen something that was like in the same thing Question, random question. What what sign are you? <laughs> yes. Anyway, <laughs> my, my listeners know that I kind of, I'm not like a crazy person, but I do mention horoscopes a bit because you know, it's kind of like a thing I peek at sometimes. I'm going to yeah. give three guesses. I'm going to say Pisces. Or? Uh, Libra. But I want to give or, you a sign that's a little more fiery too. Cause I feel like you have a, like a fire in you. Like you could be like a Leo or Virgo or Aries, but I just threw three at you. But I picked Pisces because I think Pisces Scorpio. is very kind. I think, huh? I said you didn't say Scorpio, so I hope you When you said fire, sign, I got nervous. No, <laughs> no. Okay. I'm an Aquarius. I'm an Aquarius. Aquarius, so you're right. Weird sign like me, a Libra and Aquarius. I know you guys. You guys are cool. All right, it's like February you. time. February, February, February areas them. Late January into February. Yeah, January 24th. Yeah. There we go. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, that was random. I just had to throw that in there. All right, we're going to come back. So, um, I like this. So, grew up in Kingston, I went to Toronto. <laughs> Validated a lot in Toronto. Came back home confidently. Worked in hotel. Um, Have never driven. And now you have, so to lead me into when 876 Volunteer was founded and what was the thing that catapulted you into that, into forming it? Okay, so where I'm now is I was working in Jamaica for a couple of years and mm -hmm. then it, it became extremely difficult for a lot of different reasons. And again, the season changed and I said to myself, okay, it's time to go back to Toronto and experience that. So I left and I was <laughs> in Toronto for about, um, 14 years. I mean, for those of us who have no, like, our options remain local. I don't like to say people don't have options. People always have options. Human beings always have options. But right. for those of us that our options remain local due to visa restrictions, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, like the the working 16 hours in hospitality and taking public transport as a single female and feeling unsafe the majority of the time, dealing with a lot of sexual harassment, it grinds down on you on some point in time. And I just, yeah. I tapped out. I tapped out and wanted to examine other options. So I could actually work in Toronto. So I said, okay, let me just switch this and see how I feel. So I was in Toronto for about um, a total of 13 years, coming home like all the time to visit, but living and working in Toronto for about 14 years. You know, you know more than, you know more than 21, or if you live anywhere for 13 years, but I understand. That <laughs> anyway, is to answer that question. That that young friend. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I was, I was here and during the first couple of years, I was okay. Then about every Jamaican gets to a point where they spend almost the same amount of time overseas that they mm -hmm. did spending in Jamaica, and then they question how Jamaican are they. So if you left Jamaica when you're 13, for example, and now you're coming up to having like living 14 years in the States, there's something right. that happens with a Jamaican where it's like it triggers something in you going, now I've spent the same amount of time or more mm -hmm. away from mm -hmm. my home, how Jamaican am I? So I started to question my Jamaicanness mm -hmm. the longer that I was living and working elsewhere, even though I was coming home all the time and, you know, visiting so and it's different. Friends. I wanted to elaborate on what you mean by questioning your Jamaicanness because... I want you to give me examples of what that meant to you. Like, we're talking like you're having a little more Canadian accent than Jamaican. Yes, absolutely. When you know more about the foreign news than you do your Jamaican news. When you yeah. hear Jamaican slang for the first time and for the first time you don't know what it means. Right. Or, or there's when, a dance move. Well, there's always a dance move. Dance or someone references a major social upset that's happening in the island or someone mentions someone in the government and their name doesn't sound familiar to you. These are like, the like losing touch. you're losing touch. You're losing mm -hmm. touch. You know, when you hear a song for the first time, you think it's new and somebody said they're out from like long time. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you start to like, it, you panic a little because you're just like, and then you go back to vacation and yeah. someone local recognizes you as a foreigner first rather than a local. Right, right. They think of you as Canadian and not Jamaican. They make, about, they make a comment about how cool your complexion is or they pick up an infection in your voice or the first time you get a tourism price in the market. It's these things and you're just like, oh my God, they think I'm a tourist. Right, right. And that's a weird feeling. Always weird. Very, very strange feeling. It's almost like someone pulls the rug out under you. And different Jamaicans have different responses to it. Some people try extra hard to be extra Jamaican and unfortunate. Right. To compensate. <laughs> to compensate, you know, and like various things starts to happen. For me, what started to happen was uh, I started to get very sad about it. And then I said to myself, okay, so what does it really mean to be Jamaican? I remember the first time I asked myself that question. It's a good question. And then, and then I said to myself, is it is it the Akian sawfish I eat the minute I get off the plane? Is it the patty that I ask for, the guineas that I ask for at the airport? Like people used to pick me up with a patty. It used to be a tasty patty and yeah. a guineas and a cold guineas. That was the request for anybody picking me up from the airport. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then like you start off your trip like that and still you don't feel Jamaican. You go visit your granny every time you go and you're still losing touch with it. So what is it that 
makes you feel Jamaican. And yeah, I'm like, you said it, it almost reminded me of what you said about high school for you. Um, that that feeling of losing touch and having maybe having to prove your Jamaican is probably would take you back to that high school feeling. Yeah, it's a feeling of just not knowing yourself, constantly questioning your identity. Right. So that was that was a big uh, moment for me, and that was maybe about five years ago that I started to ask myself that question, and I realized that I didn't. It's not necessarily what I needed to feel like uh, to feel Jamaican, but more. I realized the real issue was is that I didn't understand Jamaica anymore. Yeah. And then I and then Jamaican, you're always going to be Jamaican. Right. So it was like not understanding Jamaica anymore. Then I said to myself, let me get the next question. What would it take to really and truly understand Jamaica? Because if you understood Jamaica, then that is that connection that you're missing. And then I was like, I don't know what she needs. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if every time I went back, I found some way to give back. I wasn't just going to the beach. I wasn't just going to all-inclusive parties. But I found a space and I created a space within that one week or that two-week vacation where I would connect to what Jamaica really needed and made myself useful to her every time I went home. Would that be what's missing? And I just became obsessed with doing that. But, but I, when you, I like that you decided instead of having Jamaican experiences to rekindle your Jamaicanness, yeah. you decided to put people at the at the root or at the the fore. Yeah, yeah, because it felt one way when I was when I really audited the relationship with the island. I realized how one way it was. Mm-hmm. Like I would come down and I want to be entertained and I want to have the best vacation so ever. Want to hmm? Sorry, you don't want benefiting. Exactly. It was one way. It was a one way. So I decided to switch it up. So that would require, you know, because, you know, you only have like a 10-day vacation or a 14-day vacation. You know, you make your plan. You tell your friend, them, say, you're more on this beach, this beach, this beach. Well, you know, giving back required some organization as well. So I'm like, all right, what I'm going to do is check out to see who needs what so that I can prepare myself so I can either bring down donation items that is needed or I can make sure to mark off these two days because I'll be volunteering at this place, which would require me speaking to these places and making these arrangements beforehand. Well, Mario, mm-hmm. could I get somebody to answer the phone? Could I right. get a website at work? Could I get somebody to call me back? Could I? Mm-hmm. And here is a bit the first stumbling block, right? Could or not. The first pain point. Could not could not find anywhere and then when i was getting individuals on the phone another thing became very clear to me which was the culture of charities and nonprofits in jamaica mm-hmm. there was a certain uh gatekeeping mm. that initially i would imagine was created in order to maintain a safe environment right, for anybody right. But really, it was functioning as a filter. Hundred percent. So I'm like, you know, there's you can always keep people within your children's home or within your retirement home or your mental health safe. Answering the phone and speaking to someone in a very transparent way doesn't put anybody at risk. Right, but you right. developed a very shutdown way of communicating, labeling it as keeping, you know, like policy and making sure everybody's safe. But really what it's doing 
is um, not opening up a conversation with people who, who really want to help. And then I had to check myself a couple of times along the way. We can talk more about sort of adjusting my expectations. But that was like my first experience. If I got someone on the phone, it just wasn't, the information wasn't forthcoming. And I just didn't know who needed what, when. And I was becoming really frustrated. And the, the straw really that broke my back was there was one um, place that I found online. Um, I think it was like in Ocherius or somewhere. Mm-hmm. where they were offering an experience of, and it looked like it was more designed for non-Jamaicans that were visiting the island. So it was accommodation, you know, they'd throw in a couple of tours, but uh, they, you, you being a part of this experience would also have the ability to give back to a local school. They were doing renovations on the school project, so you could help with that. Um, and you could bring donations. I'm like, oh, this sounds awesome. As a mm-hmm. as a Jamaican coming home, I don't need the accommodation bit, don't need the Duns River Falls bit, just would need to engage in the giving back part. So I called. Right. And there was a fee for this. I think it was something like 2000 US dollars. And I said to them, mm-hmm. you know what, well, I don't need the accommodation. I don't need the Duns River Falls. How would I be able to engage in the giving back part? And they said to me, if you're not paying for the entire experience, then we don't want to help. And I said, let me hear you clearly. You do not want me to help in a local, and they said, if you're not buying the package, then you don't get to participate in giving back to the wow, so, so you know what that was as well, without throwing shade. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is actually called voluntourism. Right. Which is something some people do, and that's what they wanted to be a part and of. That wasn't what you wanted to do. No, yeah, no. And there's, there's like a lot of great articles about why voluntourism is great, but now mm-hmm. there is now a lot more articles discussing the underbelly of voluntourism. So that's right, cool. right. But I ran into this wall and I was just like, nah, there must be, and I, and I said, if I'm having this experience and there are other Jamaicans in the diaspora who want to give back and there are other Jamaicans locally who want to give back who don't know, how can I make it easier? There has to be an easier way. And then I said, I want something that operates like a cross between Airbnb and Tinder but for volunteering. Right. It's like charity, Airbnb, Tinder, have a love child. Matter of fact, your quote is, I believe more people would help if they knew where to go and what was needed. And and me growing up in Jamaica, this happens to me all the time too. As simple as Christmas time, you know, Jamaicans love to give away clothes if they're able to. And the only place that comes up is Salvation Army. And then we hear of children's homes, there's like five that come up. Mm -hmm. And you think to yourself, but, I can't give salvation and I'm a close every Christmas. Like, somebody else must want this. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know where to find him. Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand where this, this came from. Um, so that's five years ago. So the, the, so the non-profit. Well, next question. Is this what you do full-time? No. Fine. Great. And that's good. I just wanted to make that clear. That, But that's also good, too, because it shows that you are able to juggle and um, do other things. Um, but you did form a non-profit organization, and that I is it since this volunteer. And what was that I, process like? So uh, it's about 2018, uh, again, still living in Toronto, coming back to Jamaica, I was going to a wellness retreat in the grill. It's actually called the Tomorrow Today Festival. So I was going right. to the Tomorrow Today Festival, and I remember partaking in uh, one of their meditations. And by this time, I had this feeling like, there was something I was going to do about wanting this database, this interactive, informative, easy-to-use database that would bring people together in a communal space. I had this, but it was kind of like a very loosely formed dream, no details. 
but I had this feeling. And I went to this wellness retreat just to quiet my mind, and we were doing a meditation, and I am meditation. So the guru would lead with I am, and you would fill in the blanks of all the things you were afraid to say. And it went on for about 45 minutes, and I got up at the end of the meditation and walked out of it sobbing, just completely broken. And somewhere in there, it was like, don't be afraid to do what you want to do was the very clear message I got. And I left the grill, got back to Toronto, and I'm clearing my bags out of the Toronto airport, and a very small voice said to me, you know that your life isn't going to be the same, right? And I started 876 Volunteer like two months later. You're the second person who had a breakthrough at tomorrow today. That's <laughs> yeah. And other person said the same thing. They were sobbing and they were changed. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, mentioned right. that I'm the director of their community outreach now. <laughs> I actually do their community outreach now. Oh, so yeah. I probably get emails from you. Oh, community <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it it was it was a real shift. It just created this space. It gave me permission to to break the system because once I started to create eight seven six voluntary, absolutely experience was like first thing is I got all of this feedback. I got a lot of feedback. A lot of it unsolicited. Most of the conversations were around legendary volunteer programs that already were existing in the island and mm-hmm. what would differentiate 876 volunteer from that and why do you think it would work better or worse when the whole point was for it not to work better or worse than, but to add yeah, up yeah. to. Right, right. So um, they were so trying to turn it into a, into a little business. Oh, yeah, it was it was a bit like, you know, <laughs> who, who do you think you are? And then, and then I made the mistake of telling them that it was going to be social media driven. It was going to be volunteering gone viral. I was going to use social media influencers. I had all of these ideas and they looked at me like, so no. where's the form and where is the database? <laughs> and some of these things were very useful feedback, but it wasn't integral to it actually working. Right. Like, Right now, 876 Volunteer in this moment completely exists on Instagram and we match people in the DMs to local charities that work for them. Um, eventually, it will be in a website space and we are, you know, working on getting that built in a very user-friendly way. But we're not waiting. We're not waiting for that to be done to start matching people. Like, people have met their husbands, wives, started businesses and become a whole model on Instagram. I think we can match people on Instagram. I'm glad to know that some other things are happening in the DMs. (laughs) One of our things on the back of our t-shirts is slide into our DMs and people slide into my DMs all the time. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) That's our office. Our DMs is our office. All right, so right now Instagram is holding holding the fort until the other tech stuff come together. So the, I guess the mission statement still is committed to making volunteering go viral? Yes. So we have two mission statements. One is connecting good hearts to good causes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the second one is making volunteering go viral. Yeah. You see, I knew I could even say the word mission, the term mission statement to you, and that you know, based on all the feedback you got, because you sound like you were really getting good advice from the advisor. Yeah. I mean, it, it, even even the advice that came as, criticism with very thinly veiled agenda served the purpose yeah. everything served the purpose you know and um it was uh it was a one-woman show for a really long time now i have a really great support system 
um, which needs to grow again bigger too. <laughs> but uh, it was a one-woman show for a really long time. So when you are trying to build something and you are the only thing attached to it, criticism right. of it feels like criticism of you. So I had to really get my, I, I couldn't afford to get my ego lost in the sauce. I had to take right. out of it so that it is volunteer to thrive for sure. And it's also very hard to scale once you do things alone. Well, yeah. It can be, yeah, for sure. For sure. So the process was really interesting. Uh, two things I wanted to do before I even started to get a lot of followers on, on Instagram. The first thing was, was to register it as a nonprofit. Um, I wanted yeah. it to be registered. I needed it to be registered as a nonprofit. The second thing was to get the logo um, trademarked by Jaipo. The Jaipo experience yes. was the easiest thing I've ever done in a government office in Jamaica. Like, it took me 20 minutes. I was in and out in 20 minutes. It was unreal. The Which is great. I mean, and they have, they have forms online. Yeah. The, the, the registering as a nonprofit was traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. It was traumatizing. Uh, let's spend a little bit of time on on what we call our topic today. But I mean, I, I'd had to go through all of that to get to get here because your journey is so important to why why you do things and uh, giving back no cash required. Let's talk a bit about that. What does that mean to you? It means my parents. <laughs> it means my it parents. Means your parents. Yeah, it means my parents. To me, like when you say it like that, I think of my parents. It means you know finding in your life to make something other than yourself okay hmm. wow it means finding space in your life to make something other than yourself okay that's other powerful. Than yourself, okay just you know and and so much of the jamaican experience is a jamaican struggle like if you're not struggling you're not jamaican we wear it with pride it's a badge you know it's, right. you know born as a hustler grow up as a hustler if there's no grit if there's no edge then where, mm. where, where yeah, is five And the the problem with that is is that it creates the false narrative that if you're not a billionaire and own a piece of property on the edge of the Blue Lagoon in Portland, you do not have the capacity to help anyone but yourself. Right. Right. And that's a lie. And it's oh. it's it's a it's a solid lie because due to my like my own personal journeys around this island too many times to count on a minibus, I have seen people with nothing give everything. Yeah. Jamaican people. Yeah. And we are, we are we I believe at the core that we're a kind set of people. I believe so too. And the struggle culture really does intercept that true story with the false narrative. Because the, the true story is the granny on the end of the lane that every kid would pass her house and get breakfast in the morning. So if you live at the top of the lane and your parents are going through something and you don't have anything to eat, you know send the end of the road you'll be fed. Miss Bessie don't have anything. Miss Bessie mm -hmm. don't have money. But somehow Miss Bessie has found a way to feed the twenty children that but even if it's just to put a little sweet in and they hand me go before they go to basic school. Right. To find that capacity. And if Miss Bessie don't get to do it, Miss Bessie feels sick. If Miss Bessie they are hospital, she makes sure that somebody else dedicate to do what she do till she come back. That's a fact. Right. So she still, So she's not only she's committed to it as well. And consistent. Hundred 
and 10% and there are Jamaican men that do the same thing men and yeah. women who have nothing and give everything how what are some of the, the ways that you think people can look at this to be a little more enlightened about giving without giving cash like maybe we can use an example i don't know there's so many there's so 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 many examples so um even if it's just to even if we I call, have my time <laughs> well let's let's do an exercise okay so we're going to start this exercise i've never done this before so let's play, play a little bit so maria close your eyes Eyes are closed. As you sit where you are, do you mm -hmm. feel healthy? Yes. Do you feel strong? Yes. Okay. You can give that. How can you give that? Not in the ways that you think. So unless you have a religious or a healthcare barrier, you are the perfect blood donor. Mm. Blood. Men, especially, who do not see their period, are less likely to be anemic and less likely to be declined as blood donors. Mm -hmm. so as a man, when you give blood, if you make a request for it to be sent to the preemie unit at the hospital, your one pint of blood saves eight premature baby lives, even if mm -hmm. you don't see that. Also. So you just sitting there breathing and being healthy, you can give that. Right, 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 right. I like that. And I mean, I mean, outside of the other things that prevent people from giving blood, I am a good donor. Especially, to be a donor. especially men. Now, here's another thing that you can do. Let's let's expand on that. We still haven't touched on time, resources, cash, any of your codes. We haven't touched anything yet, right? But you still mm -hmm. have So, do you have male friends and family members? I do. And are they healthy? Yes. Can they give blood? Yes. So, you know, you get together and play dominoes. Maybe you have a COVID activity that you all do together. Maybe you still play ball. Maybe you haven't done an activity together with your boys for a while. Right. Six, seven of them on a drive entourage style and go to the blood drive on Saturday at the National Chess Hospital in Barbican and all on the lineup and do it. I've seen people do this. Yeah. You bring a, you bring a, a regular. Yeah. Yeah, but make it a vibe. Do you have a WhatsApp group with a bunch right. of dudes here? Right, right. I do. And if these are your friends, if these are the type of guys that if you are in a pinch and you say, boy, four or five of we can get together, we need help with something on Saturday. Right, they will do it for me. Oh, that's eight adult lives you would have saved if it's eight of you or less. Times that by eight and that's the amount of premature babies you guys just saved. Right, and that's just blood donation. Boom, bang, done. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I don't even think you need to elaborate anymore. The point is that people just need to, people just need, but the people just need to change their perspective because again, again, with the beggars on the street too, because they literally ask for money most of the time. And then you have a few people on the street who ask for food. Outside of that, most people want money. <laughs> So yeah. we also get cultured into feeling that the lady are the beggars and that the beggars want money, but it's not true. Yes, yes, absolutely. But what people need to sort of, because when you're hungry, you can't think straight. Yeah. So we the community that is not starving need to think for them. We can't fault them for wanting money. A hungry man is an angry man. Mm -hmm. They can't think straight. They can't strategize. They, they can't think to themselves, okay, what do you really need? 
So what what like like one thing that I have done as well is um and this is this is something that you know I I hope to do. So in different areas of Kingston for example there are mentors, uh, individuals that take on young men, train them, give them a skill, a trade, okay? Mm-hmm. There are literal angels like this, specifically in Kingston, Jamaica, quite a bit of them that work with YMCA, Food for the Poor, different areas, the Alpha Boys. Right. Put a, name, put a name and a number on a scrap of paper, even if you give a man a bill. Give them that piece of paper as well. When you're ready to turn your left around, you can call this person. Yeah. You know what that does to somebody to get a name and a number in their hand because that them can call when they need help? Yeah, and it's totally different. It's totally different from just giving them something that will disappear in a little while. But that's still something woman, that can really transform. You see a woman on the side of the street to any woman that are living, listening to this podcast, keep a little Ziploc bag with a sanitary napkin or two in there. You see a woman that's begging on the street, give it to her. Do you know what women go through, women who without a home on the street every month? Yeah. You may not have cash, but you have a whole pack of sanitary napkins at home that you use. Take out two, put it in a little bag, and put it in your glove compartment. You might be surprised, right? And add a name and number in there if you can of a woman that you know, or even just the women's hotline. Yeah. We have, a, we have domestic violence hotlines. We have women's hotlines in Jamaica. And we, with a phone and data, can Google it. Write down the information on a piece of paper and put it in there with the sanitary napkins and give it out. Somebody knock on your window, you don't have any money, but hold on a second and you go in your glove compartment and you give the woman that. You know what I love about where you are right now? I can hear the passion in your voice and it reminds me of when I speak about music. It, <laughs> it, 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 it becomes so consuming that, that everybody can feel it and they know that it's real. And I can tell this is something that you really love. Um, which leads me to two other questions. Would you say that you found your purpose? Or is this your purpose now? The purposes can change. Yeah, purposes can change. This is this is the this is it. This is the beginning of it. So you're you're unraveling your purpose. Yeah, um or or just taking a bite out of it. I don't know, but it's oh, wow, eight seventy six volunteers is just a bite. It's yeah, a big chump. It it it, it is. It is the, it's the gateway to why I'm here and why I was born. I, 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 I when I when I started eight seventy six volunteer, I realized that everything that I would need to to start it at the very least, I already had. All the experiences that I would need to conceptualize something that would actually work, I already had. I like that. What 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 is it that you eight seven six volunteer would like to ask for right now? From anybody listening? Anybody who is a Jamaican and a coder who would like to donate their coding skills, help Mm. us build a database that would operate with the ease and convenience of an Airbnb slash Tinder experience, but for volunteering opportunities. Help be a part of building something that will eventually bring Jamaicans from all over the world and Jamaicans locally to a place where regardless of what politics or what party is running, Jamaica will be fixed. Help us do that with a simple database. Coders and death. And coders Coders and developers. Yes. Listening, please um, hear this call. Or local, or local, or local, wherever If you wish that you could do something for your country, this is it. 
I like that you were able to ask for that too because all we need to do is ask sometimes too. That's the next thing. That's a whole nother podcast. Ask. That I've learned to do that. And it's so funny. Like when I say to you everything that I needed to start 876 Volunteer I had, it also required the one thing of me that I could not do. Ask for Asking? Yeah. <laughs> I find it very yeah. difficult to ask for help. And now I've started a nonprofit where that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I fall into that category too. I mean, I think I can ask for it when I really need it. But overall, I'm thinking I'm like you. Like I can be a one man show sometimes, and sometimes it's not good because you can burn out. And and I have a wonderful network that actually loves and believes in me. But sometimes I tend to feel like I don't want to bother them. But I'm sure that they don't feel like they're being bothered, which is the part that I need to wrap my head around. They get the help. Helping you with your dream and your vision may unlock something for them in terms of their purpose as well and you rob them of a fuller experience when you don't give them the opportunity to engage in your life and your vision because we're all here to overlap i feel like i'm in a therapy session you just really drew me up a while ago what i like to do <laughs> hopefully i didn't crush up your shirt too much right <laughs> crush it up i like it i like that you said i robbed somebody of an opportunity to unlock something in them and that is also powerful. Simone, you're with the gems because it's just like this podcast. I started it thinking, I don't know. I thought it was going to be about the guests all the time. But every time I speak to a guest, they unlock something in me. But I never entered the space thinking that it was going to help me. Yeah. I thought it was going to help wild. the world. It's, wild. It's, it's wild, but it's beautiful. Yeah, that's what happens when you're, you're, you are where you're supposed to be. Yes, I agree. I agree totally. Yeah. Where do you see 876 volunteer in five to ten years? I like to us two five-year periods. That could be a lot could happen. Five years. Um, I, 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 let's, let's talk about the eternal vision for 876. Let's take I like that. that. Eternal vision. <laughs> the eternal vision. When I mentioned to you and I said we would circle back to this, that one night I woke up and just started writing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that also surprised a lot of individuals when they questioned 876 volunteer because in the way I described it, they thought it wasn't scalable. Imagine that you can replace the 876 area code with any other area code of any country. Mm-hmm. Imagine, yeah. imagine Well, imagine a nonprofit that runs divorced from state, divorced from religion, with the sole purpose of people who are in love with that country wanting to help that country. So in the same blueprint that I'm doing 876 Volunteer, I may have a 19-year-old from Trinidad reach out to me and say, you know what, I wish we had something like this in Trinidad. Do you have a blueprint so we can start it here? And then I have another person who's in Ghana, but in university in Boston. And be like, right. how can I create this so that Ghanaians from all over the world and also myself can stay connected to Ghana and understand what Ghana means and local Ghanaians can have more exposure to their backyard and what's going on there. Do you have a blueprint to share? Imagine 876 volunteer and having every different international area code represented so that oh, People who, and because here's the thing, and it's especially useful for countries that have gone through colonization. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is really what 876 Volunteer is here for. Individuals that are piecing themselves back together after, after having to claim independence. 
because yeah. somewhere in that there is always a demographic that suffers with a wider gap than most right and right. we have in that also colonized countries one of the things they have in common is brain drain their best and their brightest leaving their natural soil going to usually the colonizers country so the US <laughs> union to seek a better life now what i yeah. want is create a situation where the youth of tomorrow particularly our jamaican youth can do that with no guilt i had a lot of guilt when i went away to school for university of toronto yeah about not giving back to jamaica enough now that i can create a vein in which we can pulse all of the riches that we are mining from everywhere else don't feel guilty go get your own scholar go to alaska be an engineer in south africa but always remain connected to the pulse of jamaica by always knowing what she needs and yeah, here you refer to her as that. she and here is how you can do that 876 volunteer 416 volunteer 213 volunteer 04422 volunteer yeah 268 volunteer can just keep going right and then we then we reverse because what happens with brain drain is all these other countries get to benefit from our jamaicans that are overseas while right. our jamaicans overseas go through their own cultural identity crisis it, it benefits no one the way that it's designed right now but but everyone and the reason why these um this blueprint works which which i heard in one of your other interviews when i was stalking you is that behind the the 876 volunteer blueprint is that you kind of vet and interact with and meet with the organizations to kind of figure out who they are what they want what they need 100% and that's the difference between this type of database and any other database that currently exists because to be clear there it's are just a database yeah it's it well there is trusted as well in the fact that they only include registered nonprofits what 876 volunteer goes further to do which is the tinder aspect of the experience right. is that right. speak so imagine if tinder had people in there and i guess tinder still does i don't use it people who haven't checked their statuses they're already dating other people they have no interest to go on dates and there you are swiping right on people who don't need you or want you are interested in you yeah that's what the current database is the current volunteer database it hasn't been updated it doesn't have any fresh pictures you know you can you imagine you're on tinder and the person hasn't updated the picture in 10 years they no longer look like that you have no idea so with with 876 volunteer there is a current relationship with the managers and supervisors who are on the ground in the trenches within these agencies and we have our finger on the pulse of what they need and it changes from time to time like one of our agencies was up in Gordontown recently had to move because of the road breakaway so right. they are now sharing space with another children's home near UE and so their their needs have shifted because of that i know this because the database is small it's intimate and it's up to date yeah oh wow um Simone, it's funny. I, I knew about your organization for a while, and I've seen it on Instagram, but nothing really beats talking to you and getting a true appreciation for where it started, where it is, and and where, where you see it going. And Thank it's you. a wonderful idea, and um, I commend you for it. And and I'm glad that you felt the need to come back and create it. I guess you're always in the right place at the right time, as you said, right? 
Yeah, after uh, after, and it speaks to sort of the database and how it operates now. The reason, like, we had this database to start off with, uh, places that we can recommend to people in the DMs now is I took a leave of absence from my nine to five job to be for twelve months straight. A year. Yeah, I was in Jamaica for a year, backpacking around the whole entire island, meeting with different charities and organizations and understanding the landscape a little bit more so that I could make better recommendations and a lot more confidently. Wow. Um, Simone, well, I'm coming close to the end, and I'm going to ask you the typical question of where people can find you. If they don't know by now, they would have figured it out. But before we do that last question, I want you to tell me about the last very creative thing you did with your friend Matthew with his weight loss challenge and money being donated for pounds loss. Break that down for me quickly. Abs for cash is what we ended up calling it. So Matt did a diet with a local gym and decided to dedicate his body fat that he lost uh, to a local agency. What he did was dedicated the money that he would have won, he anticipated he might win, so whatever money they were giving away, he was going to give away to a charity. And then he invited his social media followers on Instagram to donate 100 Jamaican dollars for every you know percentage of body fat that he lost. Well, and guys, Matt is not fat, but Matt, well, <laughs> was, ripped. Matt was ripped by the analyst. Can I tell you? He placed second, won seven hundred US dollars, matched wow. that personally, and with other donations in his DMs, came to a total of something like three thousand US dollars, which is amazing. Volunteer then turned around and helped him to build a portfolio of all the different places that would get it. So Montego Bay, Animal Haven, Alligator Head that was um, doing printouts for children who do not have tablets and don't have access to tablets anytime soon. They were printing out materials so kids could take it home. He donated to that. He donated to SOS Children's um, Home. Uh, and, and there's going to be about two or three more by the time we're done. That's so cool. So guys, it's twenty. we're in the 2020s and I think what Simone just tossed out or what I just prodded her to was another service she's going to offer. We have a lot of influencers and people who have influence and if you have a cool way that you can think of giving back, you can probably slip into the DMs, slide in to the 76 volunteer DMs and help them to match you. <laughs> it's so cool and creative. For us would be, because right now we have a team of 13 social media influencers who are 876 volunteer ambassadors in Instagram. And their job yeah. is to create cool content. That's what Matthew is. Matthew is actually the chief of our social media um, influencers online. So anybody who is a social media influencer, how do you categorize yourself as that? You have a public page. Right now we have 3,600 followers. So you need to have 3,600 followers yourself. Or, all right. And a public page and a love for Jamaica and Jamaican content. Please slide into the DMs. We are looking for as many you know, social media. And there are a lot of social media influencers now, the comedians and the lifestyle people. I'm not calling anybody by name on this yeah. podcast, but if you wanted to dedicate just, a, you know, a little tiny part of your social media platform, you have 100,000, 200,000 Jamaican followers, Jamaicans who live abroad, who watch you on Instagram every day to get a little piece of home. If you were even just to say a nonprofit's name, they would benefit from that. There's a lot of power in being a social media influencer. Great word, because you when Matthew said your name, I connected you straight to that project, which is how I remember it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, where can, where can people find you on social media? What's the gram handle? Since the gram is where all the action is right now. The gram is 
876 volunteer. However, two things to point out. If you don't have Instagram but you want to learn more, you can email us at 876volunteer at gmail.com. In addition to the Instagram handle, 876volunteer. The next thing, and it's volunteer, singular. The next singular, thing is, right. no if S you want to share internet. what you see on the Instagram with someone who's not on Instagram, screenshot it. And drop it in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> There's no Jamaican. WhatsApp. I like that, right? For the people who are not on Instagram, screenshot works. Well, they may not know the screenshot if they're not on Instagram. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Android, Google how to screenshot with your iPhone and screenshot Google and drop it in the WhatsApp. Google screenshot. Wow. Simone, this Please. is an amazing conversation. I am so glad we finally got to do it. Sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> me too. Yes, okay. I said, said me, me too. too. Um, final words. I think you've had so many. I think I've given you many final words, but I've given you final words. This is this is final final words. Um, for anyone that's listening, just know that regardless of your daily experiences with the island of Jamaica, she loves you. I promise. And uh, let's build let's build our way back. If you've fallen out of love with Jamaica in any way, shape, or form, giving back is a surefire way to fall back in love. If you're living in Jamaica right now and times are tough, the best way to feel better about yourself is to help someone else. So it's always the answer. Giving back is always the answer. No better way to end. Giving back is always the answer. Simone, thank you so much for being on Talk Truth. It was my pleasure and I'm sure I'm inspired as they are to give back. Thank you, Maya.